Welcome back to the most important podcast in the world. I'm your host, Reese Wood. On this episode, Yusuf Adama. That's right, on the third episode, we're going to talk about politics. Just a little bit more. I know we got canceled, right? Or did we? I guess we didn't. We're still here. But you thought we got canceled, right? It was a misperception, a miscommunication on my part. But on this episode, we're going to talk about young voices in politics, uh, how we can get more people to participate in government, local government committees, the importance of activism, fitness, and ending qualified community. Oh man, I did it again. Ending qualified immunity. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Today we have Yusuf Adama with us. Thanks for joining, Yusuf. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, so we're going to talk more politics, and uh, that's not the focus of this show, but you are somewhat a political person. Is that correct? Uh, I would <laughs> say so, yes, at this point. At this point, uh, yeah. Uh, so you serve on city council in what I consider my hometown, Beloit, Wisconsin, a great city, about, what, 37,000 people roughly. Yep. Uh, but you were elected earlier this year. Was that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so tell us about running for office. This was your first time running, right? Yeah, it was my first time. I had done a lot of um, organizing and engagement with like community stuff previously. So I had always been very involved in the community. And um, before I had been on an appointment review committee and I had made it a really big point to try to get younger people on boards and committees. And I figured, you know, if I was um, steadily trying to encourage people, then it would be a good idea to kind of, you know, put my horse in the race or whatever the phrase is. Um, yep, no, nope. no, I know what you mean. Uh, um, but, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's been really cool. Um, understanding the logistics of how a city runs a little more has been very uh, enlightening. Um, really looking at how systems in place can. Um, you know, hinder or or help progress, uh, but how the relationship between like community and government is so important for both to be engaged with. So it's been it's Absolutely. been interesting. <laughs> so the first question I really want to ask you, um, I don't see any gray hairs up there. You're not in an old age quite yet, but uh, young people uh, being involved in politics, mm-hmm. um, it seems like it's a challenge to get people involved with politics or with government in general, but uh, you are specifically interested in getting young voices in politics. Tell us about that uh, and your experiences. Well, I think it's uh, really interesting that we have this kind of like cultural opinion that young people shouldn't be involved in politics or that they're too young to get involved in politics or, um, you know, that they're, that it's not their place, uh, especially in America where like, you know, you can be a uh, child millionaire, right? You can have a whole franchise as a kid and be involved, you know, you, yeah, your parents are going to have to handle the money, but you can like completely brand yourself. Um, and I think that's kind of extreme, but like, it's really interesting when you like, who else is supposed to be in politics besides younger people? Um, like, obviously we need all walks of life, but that's the point. We need all walks of life and there's just different, um, things you're really focused on. And we see that, uh, in government, right? We see that 
a lot of times government focuses on appeasing people that are like between their 30s and 50s, right? And that's the most active voting uh, demographic typically. So I understand why you want to make sure those people vote for you. But then it seems like history just goes back and forth with, oh, we're using these young people in their young years and really taking advantage of the energy they have. And then they get older and they're not prepared for being older. And it, we see it go back and forth all the time over and over again. And I think the big thing that changes it when you look at other governments that are really progressive and have done really progressive things, they just all have way younger average governments. And that's really because, you know, these policies that are in place, the people that are going to affect the most are the people that are going to be, you know, around to see them. So. So I'm interested to know, uh, for me, I know when I was growing up, politics was not a big part of my life, but I always envisioned representatives to be older people, you know, 50s, 60s, just people who don't have a lot of anything to say, but they do the administrative task that government requires. And that's all I ever, that was the vision. Uh, but when you were at a younger age, did you have any, what was government like to you? What was your perception of how it all worked? Uh, that's so, yeah, no, I only thought of government in like, um, you know, parody videos and TV shows where government is just a bunch of old people in a, right. in a room with gavels. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're just, just doing stuff. And I think that's definitely, um, I don't want to necessarily say it's like malicious, but it is a disservice that we represent government like that so often. Uh, because it is really important for people to get involved. I really don't know the exact like moment I decided that I uh, really cared about stuff in government. I started um, being involved in community stuff by um, canvassing, right? I knew one of the candidates and I really liked them, so I canvassed for them. And then doing that and literally just the act of walking around and like it felt like even though i'd lived in the city for so long that i had not seen so much of it until i had canvassed until i had went right. down blocks that i had never been to um and then that made me really want to do other stuff uh like you know do community garbage pickups and um i try to get involved with like tutoring um because you kind of once you just are around you kind of see the different things people need. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see if I can represent that in government. But yeah, no government before that to me was just um, whatever. I guess John Oliver helped a lot. John Oliver, um, uh, Night Show, what's John Stewart. John Stewart. Uh, they really made it a lot more accessible to kind of tackle government stuff. And then I had the interest to look on it after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know what you mean. Uh, when you get out there, that first experience knocking doors is an eye opener because it's a huge challenge. First of all, to say, I'm going to walk up to someone's door. I'm going to talk to them about politics. And um, so definitely a challenge. I know that's something I ran into. And for a lot of people, um, I don't, I don't know if uh, voting is just as much of a challenge. It, you know, it's definitely a lot to get out there and go cast a vote for some people. It's a huge challenge, but uh, to go collect signatures, if, if you haven't done that and you're interested in politics, it's definitely a good way to start because usually candidates require anywhere from 50, 200, up to sometimes thousands of signatures just to get on the ballot. And that's for any party affiliation. Uh, I want to ask you next question. How do we get more people involved in government or to engage people? It seems uh, non-voters are always a big thing in every election. The number of people that register 
is always a little smaller than the number of people that could register. But then when it comes to the actual election, those that registered, not even all of those show up. So there's disproportionate numbers of people not engaging in elections and especially not in government. We see that a lot at the local, state and the federal level. How do we get more people involved or to participate? Well, great questions uh, <laughs> and great delivery. Um, yeah, it's a problem that is, we can see it in other countries. Uh, they've tackled it in different ways and America is a whole nother beast. So we would have to definitely put our own spin on however we decide to do it. But um, one of the biggest things, and this is something that I also noticed too, I was blessed with crazy high energy reserves. I was just able to make it to a lot of stuff and that's what, you know, helped me a lot. Um, but a lot of, you know, community townhouse meetings or committee meetings or, um, you know, city council meetings happened uh, in between like four and seven, typically on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Right. Which is if you are between 19 to like 27 are most likely working during that time. <laughs> so I think uh, absolutely putting some priority in uh, scheduling these things at times that are more accessible. I know people are real um, icky about cutting into their weekends, but like, I, I don't know. I don't know the whole answer. Maybe uh, yeah, do a better job at, you know, marketing and getting information to people and kind of helping the infrastructure for communication that way. Uh, but, you know, in other countries, we see mail-in ballots are a huge thing. Mandatory voting even is a huge thing. And you talked about going uh, to the ballot and how that can be a challenge for some people. And I think the bigger challenge associated with it is the fact that a lot of people don't want to go like cast a vote if they're not informed. Right. And a lot of people just aren't informed. There's so much stuff and they don't want to go and then, you know, look at a thing that has uh, 12 names they haven't ever seen before. Um, so I definitely think uh, we need it. It has to be a cultural change. We need to actually. Um, make the voting process and, um, you know, information about voting way more accessible. But we also need to kind of uh, shape our, you know, our government and our culture around something that uh, incentivizes younger people to vote, but also just makes it way easier to vote. Um, I don't know if maybe technology is the key. We've done really crazy stuff with taxes. Maybe we can make a voting app that's super duper secure, but I know some people are still weird about that stuff. But uh, I feel like there's definitely a way here that somebody that's getting paid like way more than me should. <laughs> no, I, I like that because that's the kind of optimism that you hear from young people a lot, including myself. I consider, even though I'm 37, I got a couple gray hairs. I still, I don't know. Really young still. <laughs> but so I know what you mean uh, because there's got to be a way. And as long as we're optimistic, there's always a way. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you about, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but you've served on a local government committee. And this is a good place for a lot of people to start. Mm -hmm. I know I've looked into it. I've never actually served on a committee myself, but every local municipality has various committees. Uh, you served on, was it the appointment review committee? Yep. And now I'm on alcohol and beverages. When I got to city council, I had to switch them. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, tell us about uh, how it how you came about to come to a committee and actually get to serve on one. Yeah, um, I have, it's so interesting how 
you know, government works and how at the end of the day, all of this is kind of just trying to take that structure of community and relationships and find a way to kind of solidify it in a government setting. And that's kind of the point, right? You want to be serving in a place where you're from and that you're invested in and all this stuff. Uh, so point of review was really cool because it was, we like looked at all the applications people sent in and everything. And I thought that was a good place that I could kind of um, get an understanding of all the other uh, committees while I was there. But even before that, I had been on like the local DIMS um, board and like health boards and stuff like that. And it was always super uh important to me because it felt like I was staying informed and being helpful at the same time. Like a lot of the the big things are like the flow of information where it can get to people. So being in those rooms helped me uh, able help me be able to like tell this information to other young people and get them involved. But starting on a board of committee, absolutely, I think is a, a huge part. Like even if you never do one, but you're, you know, super involved in the community, that's fine. Even if you, uh, you know, don't ever do one but join city council, that's fine. But even if you just do that and don't do anything else or join like a library board, like all of those, all those roles are essential, right? They're crucial because right. we need uh, people's inputs to be able to run and function because there's so much logistics to running a city. And I didn't even understand it until I started um, really seeing like how often somebody needs to sign something to get something done or you need you know, five or six people to agree on something to get this next thing done. And while I can sometimes feel it's a little bit tedious of a system, it is the way, way that it is right now. And if we're, um, you know, working to make a better one or working to improve it, we still need to engage with it right now. And we still need young people involved to kind of shape it in a direction. But um, and just progressive people in general and um, or just, you know, free thinkers, you got to be able to look at the world different than what it is right now. At the same time, you got to be optimistic. Like you said, you can't just think that uh, the way things have been have to be the way things are. But absolutely. Parks and Rec is really cool. Um, alcohol and beverage is really cool. Seeing how everyone gets liquor licenses, appointment review committee. Um, there's like equal opportunities. So there, if there's something that you have a passing interest in, there's a committee that you can join that you can at least be informed about how it's moving your community around. That's great. Um, so what I'm hearing a lot of is you as a person have had to make a choice at some point that might have kind of gone against the grain of what you understood at the time. Something called you to say, I'm ready to be active towards this or that. And you took a little step in one direction, another step, one step after another. And so uh, committee, like you said, it's a good way to take one of those small steps. There's all kinds of ways uh, to get active in your local government, but a committee is one of those ways where you can probably learn about. Uh, did you guys use like Robert's rules? Yeah, or exactly. Like stuff that? like that. And I think a lot of people are intimidated by how formal it seems, but yeah. exactly like I think you're getting into like joining a committee is it's a, a small thing. It's a really important thing. A lot of them meet like once a month for maybe like not even an hour. Uh, but you get that little tidbit of like how everything is ordered and structured. And then it's way less intimidating to see it in a bigger setting. Because at the end of the day, everyone on a council or an elected position is just a person. And we really need to like demystify the aura around government. And like at the end of the day, these people are just people, right? Anybody uh, could potentially be in government and everyone should be, um, you know, engaged with their government. Everyone should feel 
like they uh, can represent themselves if they need to. And everyone should feel like they trust the people that are representing them too. And to trust them, you need to know what's up. Definitely. So I'm going to uh, shift towards the next best topic. My favorite, this is what I really wanted to ask you about activism in general. Uh, you are a little bit of an activist. You've had, uh, you've, you've done some things that even I noticed. I know during COVID you did, uh, was it a walk from Beloit to Janesville? Oh, yeah. March? Yep. Yep. That was huge. Um, yeah, to me, cool. uh, that really stood out. And it, so because if people go back to that time, it was iffy to do anything, mm -hmm. uh, let alone try to stand up for something. But so I'm going to ask you about activism. What are some kind of standout moments to you? And uh, just tell people in general why activism is important. Well, firstly, uh, a healthy government needs to be a government that can, you know, identify when people are frustrated and engage with it and change in response to it. Right. Um, this is going to be a very interesting take and maybe one one day someone's going to bring it up and I'm going to be really salty about it. But people like to talk a lot of trash about the French. Right. Like even before I knew where France was, I had already heard so many things about the French being whiny and all this stuff right like even before i even understood the concept of france i had seen like short napoleon and weird hats and like baguettes but like the french will really stand up for themselves when they feel like they're being mistreated by their government well, yeah. and i'm not saying it has to you know go as far as uh, a full-on riot um but also if it's at that point it's not because people want to be doing that right like there is so many reasons why people get disgruntled and uh there's always that aura of like the things that we look at that when we see uh communities and unrest and everything we say oh my god this is so horrible um those same type of atrocities when are committed by our government all the time and it's very frustrating right when you look at the the history of america and violence and just the history of the world in general and how violent it is there's always that point where people are like, oh, we should stop the violence, but no one ever does, right? So like your government's like, we should stop the violence, but you're still gonna use violence to stop this violence. Like you're not gonna go in and, uh, you know, fix these places that feel so left out and all this stuff that they need to scream and yell. Um, but activism in general doesn't have to be even super bombastic, right? It doesn't have to be um, violence necessarily. It doesn't have to be, um you know bad it doesn't have to be malicious it's just about people wanting to represent themselves and our government as a structure doesn't always let people represent themselves all the way um you know there are rights that not everyone gets to have access to especially if you don't have like money or funds and all that so you know some people are starving to death even though we have uh you know 28 houses for like every person experience houselessness and that's tyrannical that's not fair either um but we really need to, like I said, get involved and understand how this thing is moving and going. But for example, the walk from Beloit to Janesville was super relevant because Janesville has the courthouse and the whole, um, also it was really cool, but right before COVID really hit and shut everybody down and stopped all this, all, all, all the uh, oh, uh, things going on. Like a lot of America, I think it was 49 states was seeing protest, right? And it wasn't just Black Lives Matter stuff. There was other people, uh, you know, right. women's movement saying that there's a lot of uh, un, 
injustice that they were feeling. And it is the nature of a country, especially after so long, that you need to have checks. Like somebody needs to come back and say something. Um, but like the Janesville courthouses in Janesville and a lot of people in Beloit will get in trouble for not making appointments in Janesville. But if you don't have a car uh, and a bunch of other stuff, it's not super easy to get to Janesville. Right. And like, that's kind right. of one of those things. Like, what do you expect someone to do? Do you expect them to walk all the way? What if they don't have any money to catch the bus? Like there's not a lot of, there should be easier ways to access these things. And during COVID we saw people, um, you know, FaceTiming into judge meetings. And that's something we should have done all along, especially if it's just for somebody checking something up. You don't need yeah. to physically be there for something like that. Um, but yeah, you know, activism is important. You need to be able to say stuff. Now, if you can find a way for to do it all cohesively and nicely, that's even better. But if you can't, then you need to understand that you need to be deliberate in everything you're doing. You don't want to just go and trash something because you're frustrated and angry. You want to try to, you know, get a message across and try to um, make people understand what you're feeling. And sometimes I think that's easier to do with, you know, niceness, but that's just me. Well, offering a solution or offering a solution that improves the situation is not always easy, but you actually, you talked about a couple things in that specific example, uh, ending qualified community and in qualified immunity i want to keep the community involved but uh, ending qualified immunity was proposed by justin amash around that time and i was surprised uh, to see you and a lot of other people support that but um i guess i shouldn't be surprised because it actually fits exactly in with what was going on at that time but i i kind of wanted to get your take on the ending qualified immunity uh, legislation proposal yeah, I think policing in general in this country uh, needs to change dramatically, right? Like uh, most things in this country need to change dramatically. And that's not even, you know, dissing America or being mad at it. That is just the nature of governments is that they should be changing, right? When you look at things like the minimum wage being the same for like 15 years now, 20 years now, a long time, <laughs> 10 years or something. Uh, and that's crazy, right? For something like that not to change. If anything else didn't change, it'd be wild. And policing... Um, has changed very incrementally uh, throughout its inception in the country. But it is very relevant that policing started uh, pretty maliciously in America. And, um, you know, we had a time where crime was very different, right? Even if you look at like the wild, wild west and the duties of sheriffs and how violence was so inherently involved with that job. And then you look at, you know, literal slave catchers that had the job of bringing back property and the violence involved with that. And just how, as America has been coming up, there hasn't really been a time where equality was the, the main focus of the country, right? There's never really been, uh, even until recently, and I don't know the exact number, but more than I can't, I would be shocked if it was more than 70% of people vote every time. I think it's significantly lower than that even. So when you're looking at, okay, yeah. So when you're looking at, you know, who's um, shaping the country and where power lies and all this other stuff, uh, the police have always been on the side of people that are more powerful, right? No, even if it is something we can rationalize as ridiculous, like stealing a loaf of bread or something like that. Um, we are okay with the police being ridiculously violent towards people in you know those situations. And I think the uh, kind of aura around policing has been this, the job justifies the actions. 
rather than police police themselves needing to really uphold a super high standard, right? Like I feel like, um, especially when we see Supreme Court have rulings where they decide that cops have no obligation to protect you, right? Like they if they don't they don't have to put their lives in danger um, if they feel to save your life if they feel like it can harm theirs. So when we're looking at what the duty of a police officer is and all this other stuff. And we're not, you know, requiring that they have to put their lives in danger and we're not like requiring that they need to know the law and all this other stuff. At the very least, we should not be lenient when they do break the law. Then they should at least be upheld to the basic standards of like an everyday citizen. I personally think they should be held to higher standards. Um, That's why I think it's uh, I like where Beloit is going right now. Uh, Sales is doing a great job. He's um, you know, doing reports anytime anyone's touched, right? Which isn't necessary for other police uh, forces to do, which I think is kind of wild, but he's doing it. He was really engaged when we were doing uh, protests and stuff and try to make sure they did stay safe and all this. And um, I know that there's like an inherently interesting perception of like policing and activism and all this other stuff, but like it all needs to evolve. And I think ending qualified immunity or at least making something uh, better in its place is a good step for that. Definitely. I know uh, when I ran in 2018, I mentioned about Beloit being um, the number of the the funding that goes towards uh, police policing in general is disproportionate to a lot of different areas that money gets allocated Mm -hmm. Um, but also the use of military grade weapons or the need to have those should make people wonder and i'm sure there's people in the community that support the city having things like that but obviously i would think there would be a lot of people also opposed to that i think they're just ignorant on that sorry go ahead (laughs) no i'm sorry you go ahead no, it's it is it is interesting when you look at how much money and this is like an American problem in general, right? Like we so overfund our police officers uh compared to like any other public institution except maybe like uh high school or college sports, right? <laughs> That's like the only other <laughs> it's like college sports police is where all the money goes <laughs> and then everyone else has to fight for scraps. Um but it does end up it is very um paradoxical that police end up with so much money and then it's not like police officers themselves are usually rich they're usually also struggling but a lot of that budget does go to things like uh weapons and uh trucks and you know it doesn't go towards better dental and healthcare <laughs> and stuff like that and that's right all another issue because and, and when you look at uh you know more cops died of covid than gunshots when covid was at the height of it and when you look at what we're preparing for for um, police officers, it's like that response where we could front load that money to the other end. You know, we're seeing education constantly get defunded. And then that also begins the cycle of, you know, uh, non-educated youth and uh, illiteracy. And that's directly leads to crime. So like we can kind of shift that balance. And that's something America needs to do in general is kind of change the way we respond to things. But that's kind of the world in general is so violent. Like everyone, is so interested in just like the or not everyone but especially the the highest powers are typically so invested in maintaining power through you know violence because violence is effective and it sucks that That, it is but yeah that that seems to be something that it seems easy to point out that you know people with a lot of 
power, whether it's uh, political influence or just a lot of wealth, you would think that people would say there's uh, an interest from people like that to kind of divide people, to divide the masses. And it seems a lot of people agree that that would be a logical idea and outcome. But when it comes to implementation uh, of what we see in terms of society's response to that idea, there's not much of a response. Uh, you know, for example, people showing up in elections or anything else you can do to kind of say, I object to what's going on. I dissent from whatever's going on that is kind of wrong. So it's it's kind of weird because like you said, paradoxical, it, it makes no sense. Some of this just does not make sense. That's actually one of my favorite areas. It, it seems that people forget there's so much more that we don't know. So very little that we actually depend on every day that we do know uh, when it comes to science and uh, education, everything that we depend on, it's, it's small and the unknown is huge. Mm -hmm. But that's one aspect that I hope as we do these episodes, people will kind of open their minds to and say, there might be more that I'm not aware of. It, it's, it's a thing that I think is common with a lot of people. When we assume we know something, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. We make a, we make a great person of you and me, but <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I want to move on to talking about the initiative in rock County. Uh, there was, I know in 2018 and I think in 2020, again, uh, ballot initiatives for marijuana legalization. Mm -hmm. This is an issue that, uh, a lot of people say, well, and I know I've heard this as a candidate, Reese, there's other topics that are important. And of course there is. What's weird about this topic is that we've had 60 to 70, I believe exceeding 70% approval for seeing some kind of legislative change on recent ballot initiatives all across the state. And it hasn't been just the last couple of elections. It's been for a long time, uh, decades. Every time they do one of these ballot initiatives, there's approval. Mm -hmm. but we don't see any change or any noticeable change in the state recently i don't know if you were aware of this but just this year uh, in some of the legislative proposals that actually went through early this year they're no longer allowing advisory questions on local ballots of any kind and that's including for marijuana legalization i did not know that so that went through when uh the budget was proposed and approved. It's always when they do that. It's always something. They throw, it, they throw something into the budget. Ugh. So I was going to ask you, what is what seems to be going on in Beloit, at least from your perspective? Is there talk about it? Knowing that people cannot put it on the ballot now as an advisory question, mm -hmm. I'm wondering what are people going to do about anything, uh, let alone this issue? Yeah, that's wild. Um, I was not aware. I know that Rock County and, oh my goodness, uh, excuse my lack of knowledge on municipalities and how they work. Uh, so I don't know if it's Greater Beloit or Rock County, but, uh, or, you know, this, because I know different counties have different rules about how you are punished for offenses, but like, um, right. so I think Rock County just lowered it to like your first offense is like less than like $50 or something. So 
Um, and that's, you know, uh, cool. And more counties should do stuff like that. But yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous that marijuana isn't legalized in or decriminalized at the very least in Wisconsin. You know, uh, it's ridiculous that on a federal level, it's, you know, classed so uh, restrictively and we're not allowed to engage with it and understand its effects. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that even if you're inhaling anything, uh, you know, hot and ashy, it's not great for your, uh, you know, nervous system and all that and your respiratory system. Um, gummies are cool and all that, but uh, it's, again, a huge, huge, just mind-blowing uh, concept when this is the same place where, you know, opioid deaths are going through the roof and um, or raising and we have, you know, cigarettes available and vapes and all this other stuff that have been like, we know for sure that cigarettes will kill you. <laughs> like we know they will. It's like uh, an explicit part of their their use is that you will like die if you keep doing it. Um, but we're telling people they can't like, you know, roll joints and smoke them if they want. Especially at the time where you're like the states around us are, you know, you look at uh, trouble that it's caused people and nonviolent offenses that it's caused people and unwanted stops and all this stuff. And it just is, it is absolutely ridiculous that. Um, and yeah, taking the ability to, you know, make, take those survey questions or advisory questions is ridiculous. That's it does not seem very democratic to me. Um, but at the same time, like, just do it. We're already at like 67%, but we're also in the same, you know, country where, uh, more than 60% of people were or okay with abortion rights and it still got, you know, banned. So that's something I think, and that's kind of, uh, in the previous conversation about being involved and aware and not understanding how much we don't know all the time is the fact that like, Again, the, the the structures that make rules are just so mystified and seem so inaccessible um, that pe things just happen. And some people don't understand that history is so tangible and like you can look. And now people are so old in these positions that sometimes the person whose fault it is, is the same exact person. It's like you are the guy that like, you know, promoted this like you, you're the one. <laughs> um, but you can anything that we can look at and point to now uh as far as legislation, it's a hop and a skip to look a hundred years, maybe not even a hundred years and find out exactly why that thing happened and how right. we should be looking at it now. Definitely. Well, um, so we're gonna shift to a whole different topic here. I know uh, on our first episode of Most Important Podcast, we were talking about fasting and I was supposed to get into some fitness, bring some fitness back to my life. I'm a guy who's in a fitness drought. Um, it's been a while. I have uh, five kids and I work right here five days a week. I spend 40 hours sitting right here and now podcasting a couple hours too. But mm -hmm. so a lot of uh, sedentary, no movement in my life. And the time to do that is pretty small. But I know you're a guy of fitness. I've seen you talk about it a little bit online. Tell us about the importance of fitness. Yeah, it's, you know, I should have came with statistics ready, but the amount of adults that don't get the daily amount of exercise is ridiculous. It's like more than 70%. And I think it's like, might be into the eighties, uh, but wow. adults in America, especially live very sedentary lifestyles. We sit and we don't do anything. 
And it's such a disservice to our society that we like think of things like fitness as only available to young people and all that. Um, but obviously a huge reason for that. And you brought it up yourself is like you're raising kids, right? Like you, you're a busy person. And we really need to look at the structure of our work cycles and uh, uh, the efficiency of that. And because America has, you know, been increasing in product productivity for decades now and our wages have not been increasing with it. So we have a situation where we expect people um, because all the advice uh, that people have, especially the more conservative leaning people is, you know, take control of your life you know, self-dedication, do do things. But at the end of the day, if it costs exponentially more to, you know, buy bread or go to college or raise a child, then that's time we don't have, right? That's, that is just straight up the how it works, right? It, yep. There's no other way to look at that equation. So we're in a circumstance where I see a lot of people very frustrated with the state of their lives when most of their waking hours are spent making someone else money, right? And that's very frustrating. And it's in a very unequal balance, but that automatically goes into fitness too. And fitness is, cause you're a smart person. You're, you're one of the smartest people I know genuinely. And I know a lot of very smart um, adults that will tell you with their whole heart, like you would be hard pressed to ask someone, do you think fitness is important? And them to say no, right? Like everyone right. wants to say yes to this. <laughs> But then you say, OK, how much do you work out? And overwhelmingly, most of them will say none, not at all. Right. Some people will say an hour a week. And that's if you're lucky. Um, so it's a it's an equation that we all know is wrong. But the fact that we kind of internalize that failure. Right. We're like, oh, we look at society and like, oh, people don't work out and people suck at working out. But it's like all of America. <laughs> it's not just like a individual problem. It's because we literally do not give people the time resources and the health resources and the information resources to, you know, be able to be fit. We should have really great government programs that incentivize, you know, uh, companies to add uh, gyms and things to their facilities. And so you'll see some people do it by choice, right? And because they understand that that's a good concept or a good, um, uh, just a thing to have a good, um, perk, a benefit, right? If you can get your employees working, they're better in working out, they're better employees. But also, um, we look at the frustration people feel. And one of the big things is healthcare, right? A lot of people are frustrated by having to go to the doctor or their teeth and all this other stuff. And similar to politics, we really need to demystify working out. It's not something that you have to be like Jackie Chan or The Rock to do, right? Like you can lift weights and even just eight minutes of working out a day uh, will benefit you greatly. So you do like uh, 50 squats, 50 knee push-ups, 50 sit-ups, right? That's that's enough to do something, right? And the more that you're working out, your your hormone delivery is better. You have a lot, you know, when you see people get frustrated so quickly, what happens when you get frustrated, right? We get short of breath, our hearts beats fast, you get tense. Mm -hmm. And all of that, you can help if your heart's stronger, if your blood vessels are stronger, if you have more muscle mass that you can engage with, so you feel less constricted. So everything with health goes into everything else. Absolutely. And it's super important. And I think our whole society needs to get way on board with it. One thing you just said that I absolutely agree with. I love the idea of uh, the 40 hour work week. You know, it there was a time and place for it. Uh, but there's days where I'm sitting here and I'm feeling like uh, I'm doing too much. And I'm sure that's everybody. 
Everyone's mm-hmm. feeling like they're doing just a little bit too much. Well, there's no and, much to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's there's no way to say, well, that's that's absolutely true, other than most people would probably agree. But so I wonder if that'll ever happen in our, you know, lifetime, maybe in the next decade or so, maybe people will say we are doing a bit too much here or there. We know artificial intelligence is kind of on all of our backs could replace a lot of jobs at some point. And that's one of the, the sorry, go ahead, go ahead. That's one of the uh, big reasons why we do need to kind of what I mean by the the whole culture is changing. Right. Like because the 40 hour work week um, came in response to basically no like your boss could tell you to work forever and not have to pay you and um, understanding, even though Henry Ford is a piece of work himself, but understanding that, you know, your employees need to be able to survive to be employees. Right. At the And that's the real interesting part about it is that you can have the most selfish, like hardcore capitalist perspective. Uh, you can be a dictator and understand that happier citizens that are less worked will like not uh eat you one day right like that's that's yeah um and we're at a point where we're seeing it but we also are seeing strikes across the nation or the talk of strikes right we the the mm-hmm. UPS strike didn't even happen but it made huge change um so we're we're seeing it there and i think that's a very important point to acknowledge too is that even though it does seem very overwhelming right now and times are kind of crazy that there are people fighting uh all the time to make it better right there's wherever there's been people doing evil malicious stuff there has always been people fighting against them definitely all right uh so man you just made me think how this show had writers but due to the strike it's all on my shoulders right now yeah (laughs) we never had writers Uh, (laughs) last episode people are still wondering if i'm canceled because i said well we did a political episode and now we're canceled (laughs) i had a few people write me and say reese i'm sorry you're canceled it didn't happen this is a joke (laughs) they canceled um so last couple questions i wanted to ask uh like i do with all guests tell us about some kind of important links or online resources things that are important that you kind of check in with that you would recommend to other people i wish i remember what i said last time i don't want to say the same thing um so i definitely feel like a lot of the changes and understandings in me came from really looking at history and understanding again how tangible it is how uh this thing leads to this thing leads to this thing and it's not super crazy to look at something because if you don't look at uh and and actually analyze history and especially in this day and age where it like there's a time period where if you Googled something, Wikipedia was the first thing to come up, right? And even though Wikipedia is a questionable source itself, it would, for the most part, have a you know free resource, free narrative that you can look up uh, the base, the groundworks of something. But now we've seen so many things get so hardcore monetized and the structure of searches get so monetized that looking up information, you're bound to get like seven or eight of literally like word for word, the exact same information, right? Like there's not a lot of, or, you'll find good information and it will be paywalled, right? You'll have to get a subscription to this thing or something like that. Um, so it is a it is a interesting environment. And I would say that one of the most important things is learning how to look up information and challenging your biases is super important. Like if you find something and it seems like, wow, I knew everything about this uh, because this article is just agreeing with me, then maybe look a little more, right? It is okay to second guess yourself. 
and uh, look up some fine role models. That's very important right now in the relationship of passing down knowledge information. And a lot of people right now, especially young people, don't have the same community structures, right? Uh, and I should have brought this up with activism. But when you look at activism, a lot of the things that people had were great community structures. They had mom and pop shops. They had all this stuff. Um, and it's not the same anymore. Uh, so going back, get role models, find things out about people you admire um, and not just in one field. So the person that I really admire that I recommend everyone look up and read into and I think is like the one of the best examples of, you know, a great political figure, a great leader was Thomas Sankara. Um, he was a he led a revolution. He came into power. He changed like the government's car to like the average vehicle, um, planted millions of trees, uh, illiterate or <laughs> so obliterated like child uh, literacy where he came from and was just a really and this is like in the 80s um, was a really cool, amazing guy. But he was betrayed by his best friend and murdered. And it was very it's a very sad thing that happens. to a lot of revolutionaries <laughs> in the world where stuff like that happens. But I think it's very important to look at these stories. And even though they can be kind of disheartening, um, find more of them because you always will. And there always is more people. And not everyone is, you know, isn't victorious. And on that same note, um, I think we all have a passing understanding. But look up everything you can about Harriet Tubman. I don't know if there is like a cooler historical figure in America than Harriet Tubman. She saved hundreds of people. And I like that's some superhuman crazy stuff. I cannot imagine right. like escaping slavery and then going back and saving people and like sometimes by force saving them and you know doing and running from dogs and that's just the yeah. slavery like that it's insane it was crazy to me absolutely yeah. so it's so important to know just how yeah things are hard right now and in a lot of ways things are harder than they've ever been right we're more uh there's more cameras around we're more observed we have more of our time taken we're uh, you know, so jacked on information and it's so hard to figure out. But also the potential for goodness right now is so strong. We have the ability to connect with each other, to, you know, talk to people around vast distances, to really understand uh, the world in a way that we've never been able to. And we can we can do this, right? We can make things better and we can all, and it's going to be the strength of our bonds and the strength of our community and knowing your neighbor's names and being able to really understand um, the humanity in each other. And that's going to be the thing that saves the world at the end of the day. It's either that or, you know, like Terminator, octopus, robot. Uh, Mad Max, uh, all that. Yep. Yeah. All that. <laughs> that's what they Mad say. Machine. I saw the other day I saw one where uh, a friend on Facebook said, hey, we're either going to get a Star Trek future where everyone's working together or we're going to get the Mad Max. Future. Yeah, and no, that's, that's not good. <laughs> odds are not good but I'm, I'm optimistic and i'm glad you are too and i hope a lot of people listening get that optimism if they didn't already have it i gotta ask you I, i'm gonna overdo it but i gotta ask you one last important thing that you can leave with viewers and listeners one last important message anything uh there is always a chance to change right there's gonna be a lot of things and it is the a big nation or a big um, you know aspect of our society to be very shameful 
right? To feel a lot of shame about growing. And it really makes us double down into silly, goofy things, right? So much of our prejudices and our isms and um, all those things that we should learn how to live without are really just coming from ignorance and committing to it, right? You, you get to a point in time where you see a thing that contradicts something that you heard. And instead of opening your mind and saying, well, what does this mean in the grand scheme of things? You take it personally, right? Um, and we all do it and it's all a thing that happens. But I think it's important for people to know that you can always change. There is no aspect of yourself that you need to feel so committed to that it is unwavering, uh, especially if it's not in like love, right? Like you're a father, you should hold on to that forever and a day, right? And that's important. Uh, but you don't want to be so committed to uh, anything that you can't let it grow and change you. And you need to be adaptable. You need to be able to look at this big changing world of things that we're constantly learning that are just mind blowing and where we know more about the universe and, and atoms and just the nature of life than ever before. And you have to be willing to let yourself be teachable. So love it. Love it. All right, Yusuf. Um, you know, if you're ever doing anything or ever feel a need to come back, this is a platform you're always welcome on, but appreciate I gotta it. thank you for doing this. This is, yeah, uh, I definitely appreciate you doing this. Thank you. But, We'll definitely uh, keep up with you, and thanks again for doing this. Yeah, you have a good afternoon, man. Yep, you too.